How many has your Bibles with you? We're going to take our Bibles and open them up, and I'm going to let you take it to Acts chapter 2 and just keep it right there for just a minute. But I want to ask you a question to start off the service today. As I said last Sunday, we're going to start a series, and I'm not sure how long this series is going to last, but it's going to be a series on the Holy Spirit. By the way, if this is your first time here, we're so glad to have you, and we hope that you feel warmly welcomed already. And uh, just make yourself at home here today. But I want to answer the question, hopefully today and over the next several weeks potentially, who is the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> now we know that He is part of the Godhead. We've heard of the Trinity and we know that there's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you a question, if you would... I would like for you to imagine your mind, in your mind right now an image of God. Just in your mind, I want you to picture your idea of God. Now, he's probably in some minds on a large throne up in heaven. If he's not, if he wasn't, he is now, right? Because I just <laughs> planted that in your mind. Maybe this blindingly bright holy light that's radiating from him, that's God. Certainly, he's a massive presence. In your mind, you have this picture of God. I want you to now move to imagining in your mind an image of Jesus. Maybe the Jesus that you're imagining is what you've read in the New Testament of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's with his disciples walking around, ministering and teaching and doing all that he did with the disciples by the seashore, ministering to the masses potentially. Maybe he's... In your mind, the Jesus that you have is the one that's hanging on the cross as he's doing the work that he's done for us. Maybe he's now, in your mind, that very uh, person who's seated at the right hand of God on the throne up in heaven. Or maybe you have Jesus imagining him as riding a white horse and coming to get us and to take care of some business in just a little bit. Maybe that's the image that you have of Jesus. And all of those would be right. Now let me ask you another question. I want you to imagine in your mind an image of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a little bit harder to come by. Maybe you see him as a dove ascending from heaven upon Jesus. Maybe you see him as a mighty blowing wind or maybe a flame on top of those in the upper room. Causing them to speak in unknown languages. But you have to understand that the Holy Spirit and what I just described is not who He is, but it's actually the results of who He is. But what I just described to you maybe is not so much explaining who He is. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is who is the Holy Spirit? You know, for many reasons, the Holy Spirit is the least understood and the most mysterious part of the Godhead, the Trinity. And therefore, because of that, God, the Holy Spirit, is the most avoided. God, the Holy Spirit, is the most neglected. And potentially, God, the Holy Spirit, is probably the most feared. When we speak of the Holy Spirit, and from here on, I want you to understand this, that when we speak of the Holy Spirit, we need to think of Him as a person and not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. God is a person, Jesus is a person, the Holy Spirit is also a person. Now, as an example, this podium is a thing. This podium doesn't live, it doesn't breathe, it doesn't think, it doesn't feel. This building, by the way, is filled with things just like that. But this building is also filled with people. This podium was created by man for a specific purpose, but we as God's people were created for another specific purpose, and that was to have relationship with God. All of creation, all of mankind was created to have relationship with God, and we as people live and breathe and think and feel unlike this podium. And the Holy Spirit does all of these things because you see the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person that I intend for us to get to know more deeply, more intimately, more clearly, and more comfortably over the course of these next several weeks. And my hope is that we can move from where we are in our understanding and in our relationship 
with the Holy Spirit, wherever that may be, and it's a spectrum. I understand there's some people who have no idea who the Holy Spirit is, and those of you that are here that have had wonderful relationship with the Holy Spirit over decades, and there's a lot of people in between, and that's okay because we're all on a journey. But wherever you may be, I hope that you'll increase in your activity. I hope that you'll increase in your passionate pursuit of the Holy Spirit, that you'll that you'll desire all that he is and that you'll desire all that he can do and be in and through your life. Just so you'll know, we're a Pentecostal body of believers. We are an Assemblies of God church. We are a Pentecostal church. No, uh, no shame or embarrassment, I'm proud to declare. But that doesn't mean that we wear it as a badge of honor or a badge of bragging. I say it humbly. But what that means is that we desire to model and to live out all that the church of Acts experienced and it was birthed on the day of Pentecost. I just want all that God has for me. How about you? And I want all that that God has for this church. How about you? And so through the Holy Spirit, he can allow us and help us to experience all that he has for us corporately and individually. And that's why I say we are a Pentecostal church because we as a church, the church of Jesus Christ, by the way, was birthed on the day of Pentecost. What does that mean? Let me just give you a little bit of a quick snapshot of why we even call ourselves a Pentecostal church, which by the way, every church I might say is a Pentecostal church. Because every church has its origins to the birth on the day of Pentecost. What's the day of Pentecost? Well, Pentecost is one of seven Jewish feasts that were celebrated since they were established by God, by the way, back in the Old Testament. I'm not going to get into it, but read Leviticus chapter 23. Write that down if you're taking notes and go back to that sometime this week. And that'll give you something to to read and enjoy and experience and grow in your understanding of what these feasts are all about. Which, by the way... Um, next Sunday night, we're having our annual Feast of Tabernacles. This whole stage is going to be transformed. There's going to be this giant sukkah booth right here where these drums are. The drums are going to be somewhere else, and we're going to celebrate next Sunday night the Feast of Tabernacles. We're going to worship. We're going to dance. We're going to rejoice. We're going to celebrate, and we're going to experience... A, this, this place is going to be packed... Uh, the doors are going to open up at 5.30. Come early for a good seat. We're going to put out some more chairs. And you're going to see some people up here celebrating and dancing before the Lord. There's going to be a story that's going to be told about what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about. It's the only feast, by the way, that's going to be celebrated through the entire millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years. So we're just getting a head start on it. And we've been doing this for eight or nine years now here at Faith. And we're going to continue to do it as long as I'm pastor here or until the Lord comes back, whichever comes first. And then we're going to continue on with it for a thousand years. So, and it's going to be, this is going to be good, but boy, it's going to pale in comparison to what it's going to really be like when Jesus is going to be there. I'm getting excited, and we're going to get to around Jerusalem and celebrate with him for a thousand years once a year. It's going to be great, but next Sunday, come and be part of that. It's the, it's the seventh of the, of the seven feast, and uh, uh, rather than me try to explain it to you, you're just going to have to come and experience it, and I'm going, to, I'm going to be leading worship with the worship team. We're going to be looking forward to that next Sunday night. I hope you'll be part of that. All of the feasts, though, if you read in Leviticus 23, they all revolve around harvest, now, there's the planting, there's the tending to, and then there's the harvesting of the crops. And all the feasts prophetically, by the way, if, you'll, if you want to get into it even a little bit more, they all prophetically speak to God's plan of salvation for mankind. And that's just another series in itself, which I've actually done before from this pulpit. And I don't know, I may do it again sometime. But it's a wonderful, wonderful study. Now, Pentecost, the celebration or the Feast of Pentecost was the mid-year celebration. So there's one, two, three, Pentecost is four, then five, six, seven. Pentecost lands right in the middle. The first three feasts were the spring, and then Pentecost was kind of the celebration of the initial uh, harvest, kind of that first late spring, early summer harvest, and then the last three were the final harvest. It's also called, by the way, the Feast of First Fruits. So you can kind of see the understanding of what that's all about. So with this backdrop, we see that the church was being birthed, which was a lot of ways the first fruits of where we are today as the latter fruit, right? Yeah. 
So the first fruits of God's work of redemption of mankind uh, started on the day of Pentecost uh, with the birth of the church. So this is the backdrop of these first fruits of the redeemed. And the Holy Spirit was intimately, by the way, and actively involved in this uh, church birth, in the birth of the church. In fact, it was the Holy Spirit who birthed the church. You can kind of almost say that he was the doctor who gave delivery to the church. Okay, here it comes. And there he is. And the church was birthed. Dr. Holy Spirit gave birth to the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, says it this way. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all of one accord in one place, and suddenly there came as a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. That's the Holy Spirit. They were, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Again, that's the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, there it is, the Holy Spirit, gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit showed up that day in the upper room as they were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, and there was a ton of people there uh, from all over the area that were gathered in Jerusalem from all over different parts of the world, actually, speaking different languages and what have you. They were coming to celebrate that feast of Pentecost. And that's why if you continue to read in the book in, in that chapter where Paul, or rather where Peter began to preach the gospel, and these people were saying, hey, these people are speaking in languages that we understand. And they were speaking and glorifying God in that language that we understand. And then Peter said, well, let me tell you what that's all about. And then the Bible says thousands were added that day and the church was birthed. See, just as a woman comes to full term, when the day of her delivery fully comes, she gives birth. So the church was birthed. It came to the fullness of time. And when that church was birthed, it happened with a loud explosion of declaring God's good news. And that's where we are today. Still declaring that good news, because you see, we are that church, but for this generation. And the Holy Spirit was not only there at the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, but has been with the church and has been with us ever since and will continue to be with us until Jesus comes and gets us and takes us to heaven in the rapture. Church, the Holy Spirit has never left us. The Holy Spirit has never left the church. Now, unfortunately, through the years, the church has set the Holy Spirit off to the side. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and we're going to cover those in just a second. It may resonate maybe even in your mind and heart today. But church, we cannot be a powerful force for Jesus in this world without the power of the Holy Spirit moving in us and moving through us. We just can't do it. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to fill us, and the Holy Spirit's purpose is to equip us, and the Holy Spirit's purpose is to empower us to represent Christ in power and in love and in truth to our world today. Now, by the way, Satan doesn't want this. And so he's more than happy to place obstacles in our path to keep us from that power, from that anointing, from that authority that we have in Jesus Christ under the unction and the move and the power of the Holy Spirit. The men and women of the New Testament church moved in that power. And their world was turned upside down for Jesus. As darkness was pushed back, sin was exposed, evil was put on notice and God's glory and the good news of the gospel took center stage. And People were restored back to right relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's why we exist. And the Holy Spirit desires to do that and actually can do that and will do that through you and through me today if we simply yield to him and allow him to as we're filled and empowered and equipped and strengthened to do the call of God on our life to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what are some of these obstacles that are keeping this from happening maybe in your life today? Here's some big ones. How about fear? That's a big one. Oh, I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit. It's a ghost, is it not? And I don't like ghosts. It's funny. You know, Halloween is coming up and we have these 
awful celebrations, by the way, that are getting ready to take place, which I hope that you're not going to be part of. Halloween is turning into something that is really, really evil. But there's nothing to be afraid of with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a ghost, but he's, he's a friendly ghost. He's a loving ghost. He's, a, he's nothing to be afraid of. Maybe there's a lack of understanding. Well, you might say, I'm saved, and, and the Holy Spirit is an option. It's an upgrade for me. It's kind of like, you know, you buy a car, and you want to have air conditioning, so just throw that in there, right? I don't want just a CD player. I want one of those multiple CD players. Let me get an upgrade. I don't want cloth seats. I want leather seats. And that's kind of how we treat the Holy Spirit. I got saved, and Holy Spirit's just an upgrade. I'm good, though. I'll just drive this salvation car with no air conditioning and cloth seats and, you know, Fred Flintstone feet on the bottom. You know, who needs an engine? <laughs> right? Holy Spirit is not an upgrade. This is lack of understanding. Maybe, how about this one? Maybe we just want to stay in control. Oh, I've seen too many things about the Holy Spirit where people just go bananas. They're swinging from chandeliers. They're just going crazy. They're jerking around and all that sort of stuff. I, I just like a nice, neat package, that nice, neat salvation package, not too emotional. That's where I'm living, just right in there. So I just want to stay in control. Maybe there's just too much dying to ourselves because we know, the, we've heard, when the Holy Spirit starts coming in and working on our hearts, there's some things we got to give up. I mean, there's some flesh that we got to yield to, you know, and say no to. So I don't want to die to myself. I kind of like how I am. I want my salvation and I want this stuff over here too, so uh, I'm good. Too much change is required. Yeah, let's change. Lord knows I need to. You probably don't need to, but I need to change, and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to change me. It's too much work. Man, you know, I thought the work was already done on the cross. Jesus said it's finished, you know, and so it's just too much work. You know, we just got a lot of complacency going on in the church today, I think, and we don't want to move into anything that's going to require too much work. Man, you don't even know how hard it was, Pastor, for me to get here today in my once-a-month attendance to faith. Too much work. How about this? It just kind of makes me uncomfortable. It's just, I've had some bad experiences. I've had some bad teaching. Those bad actors that people, you know, again, swinging from the chandeliers. It's just kind of uncomfortable with that. Or it's too controversial. How about that one? Oh, the Holy Spirit is definitely controversial. There's denominations that have started as a result of, hey, the Holy Spirit, no thanks. We're just going to do this right here. Yeah. It's very controversial. I don't like conflict. I, I've heard conflicting teachings. There's too many opinions. How about this one? It's not for today. Man, I read the book of Acts, and when it ended there in that last chapter, and it ceased right there. And maybe that's where you're coming from. And I'm not slamming any of these, by the way, because it's the reality of where we are in our individual walk with Christ. And I get it. And I don't know if any of these resonate with you. But man, you're here today, so let's open up our hearts and say, man, if the Holy Spirit is for us today, and it didn't cease when the book of Acts was written. By the way, if you read the book of Acts, it ends abruptly. If you notice, there's no, and they lived happily ever after at the end of it. It's just, it's almost like it needs to continue. And guess what? It has. Because the book of Acts is continuing to be written today. It didn't stop back then, and it won't stop until the Lord takes us home. The power of the Holy Spirit is in our lives today and is working in the midst of the world today through the church. The Holy Spirit was not just for then. The Holy Spirit was for then and now. So I get it. I get that maybe a calmer church is a lot more predictable and a lot more appealing to some. I, I get that a relationship with Jesus that is more safe and reasonable and predictable, this religion that we have that many are attracted to and run to and are part of, where there's no surprises and even fewer requirements, is very appealing to a lot of people. Who needs that drama? Who, who wants to change? Who wants to stand out in the world and be one of those people, right? Those people. But when I read the Bible... It's those people who made the difference. 
who made the cut as far as God is concerned. It's those people who were impacting the world. It's those people who advanced the gospel and changed their world. It's those people. And I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people. How about you? And the Holy Spirit, as gentle and loving and helpful at times as he can be, and he is, also came many times like a wrecking ball to disrupt the status quo and turn society on their heads. You read Acts chapter 2, as I just read. Continue to read that story in Acts chapter 2 and throughout the book of Acts. And continue to read the stories of, of the church over the, over the centuries. And the Holy Spirit has come in and turned entire societies upside down for the glory of God. It was needed at that time. And it was needed in those places in church. It is so much more and desperately needed today as well. Amen? Many of us have a story of our life-altering encounter with the Holy Spirit. And if I may, and for those of you who have heard this, I apologize. But I feel so desperately and so strongly that I need to share my story with you. And I'll probably cry, so just deal with it, okay? I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I'm thankful for that because in that church I saw outward expressions of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. There wasn't hardly a Sunday that went by that Brother Dodge didn't run up and down the aisles shouting glory. There wasn't hardly a Sunday that went by that these altars were not filled with people crying out to God. There was not a Sunday that went by that someone was not being slain in the Spirit. I just don't remember it being a calm church. Now, I grew up in that, and if I were to say that that was going to happen here today, I would probably stun half of the congregation here or more, because I don't know what your experience is, but that's what I experienced. Moves of God regularly occurred in worship in the preaching and in the altar calls at our church. Outward expressions. You know, and as a young boy, I didn't understand what being anointed was. I, I couldn't define it, but I could sure tell you who was and who wasn't. There's just this difference. There was a difference in how they sang a song. There was a difference in how they preached a message. There was a difference in their actions and their words. You could just tell there was an anointing on their lives. I know now what it was is that they were filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. They lived a yielded life in Christ. And they were being directed by the Holy Spirit as they ministered for Him. They yielded their tongues, they yielded their minds, they yielded their emotions, they yielded their spirits, they yielded their entire beings to the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what being anointed means in my book. It means being filled with the powerful Holy Spirit of God. And I was drawn to it, I gotta tell you. I knew it was real. I remember sitting on the second row of the, there were pews. I remember sitting on the second row and leaning on the first row as I watched people experiencing the move and the power of God on a regular basis and just soaking it up, just observing it and seeing the reality of people crying and being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis at our church. And not only did I know it was real, I knew that I wanted it. And I also not only knew that I wanted it, I knew that I needed it. The seed was planted. And the hunger was there. So let's fast forward to when I was 14 years old and we moved up to San Jose from Rialto, California. And we attended Faith Temple. And I was up there hanging out with some of my friends in the balcony. And I remember it was on a Sunday night. It was 1977. And uh, it was in July. And I remember now, by the way, I've given my heart to Jesus Christ more times than I can count. Right? Okay? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but when I was 14, 
a month before my 15th birthday in 1977, I remember, I don't know what was preached on, Kenny Foreman preached that message, and it was on a Sunday night, and I remember giving my heart to Jesus again that night because of whatever was being preached. I thought, man, I need Jesus. And I remember, though, that night was different in that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Brian, you don't have to ask anymore. You're good. Now, just let's live it out. Let's walk in relationships. Kind of what I was talking about in the membership class this morning, how Jesus becomes your Savior. That's kind of like a one-time shot, right? And he just washes you clean. Then he becomes your Lord. It's a relationship that goes on, and you become more like Jesus as you go. And it's just kind of like, boom, light bulb moment. Okay. Then, so from then on, man, I just endeavored to serve him. Not perfectly, but I endeavored to serve him, you know. By the way, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me that night. And when he did, he pointed me to Jesus. The Holy Spirit pointed me to Jesus. He didn't say, Brian, you're good, now just follow the pastor. Brian, you're good, just follow that evangelist. Brian, you're good, just follow that TV preacher. He didn't point me to a person. The Holy Spirit pointed me to Jesus. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit will never point you to another person. I appreciate you all being here. And I appreciate you all entrusting your hearts to my care. To be able to speak into your life and equip you. But don't ever look to me as an example. Don't ever look to me as the one that, that I'm not saving you. It's Jesus that saves you. I'm always going to point you to Jesus. I'm always going to point you to who he is. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just one blind beggar telling you that another blind beggar where the food is, you know. I'm just, I'm privileged to serve you here. But I'm going to point you to Jesus any time that I can, including today. I love you too. All I can do is point you to Jesus. But it's yours to follow Jesus. And it's yours to yield to the Holy Spirit, to allow Him to work in you, to help you, to guide you daily in that pursuit. That's, the Holy Spirit will point you to Jesus to say, what have you done with Jesus today? How have you, how have you engaged with Jesus today? How have you represented Jesus today? See, that's what the Holy Spirit in part does at least he's done in my life. Paul said as much in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, I was with you in weakness, I was with you in fear, and I was with you in much trembling. I feel that way constantly. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words or of human wisdom, but in the demonstration and in the power of the Holy Spirit. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit is and does in a yielded vessel. So back to my story. About a year later, when I was 15, in the summer of that year, 1978, it was on a Wednesday night. It was in a youth service. And my youth pastor, Scott Hayes, God bless you, Scott Hayes, if you're listening today, thank you. Scott and Joyce Hayes, wonderful youth pastor and his wife, he was preaching in our weekly youth service and I'm not exactly sure what he was preaching on, but it must have been on the Holy Spirit. But what I can tell you is what he preached that night was powerful. It was anointed. And that Scott gave place to the Holy Spirit to do what he wanted to do. I remember it as if it were yesterday, what happened next. He made a call at the end of the message. And... He asked if anyone wanted to receive the Holy Spirit. And I didn't have to think twice. I was just waiting for him to be quiet so that I could do it, right? Finish this up because I'm coming. The Holy Spirit had been working in my heart 
all those years <laughs> planting and watering, you know, and the experiences that I had at the other churches that I grew up in. And that night when he called us up, I probably, I think, was one of the first, if not the first one down there. And I wasn't sitting in the front. I was about midways back. And I remember coming down to the altar. <laughs> and God did a work in my life. By the way, don't stop planting and watering. You hear me? Parents, don't stop planting and watering. You bring your kids to church, you model before them at home, you minister to them, whoever it is, your wife, your husband, your loved ones, your co-workers, don't stop planting and watering. Because in God's time and in His sovereign timing, there's going to be a fruit that's going to take place. There's going to be a birth that's going to take place. You're going to see the increase come. Don't stop planting and watering. Stay faithful, even though it may not seem like you're making any difference at all. You are, because God's Word is not going to return void in that that you're planting in the, in the hearts and the lives of people. Galatians 6, 9 says, and don't let us grow weary while doing good, for in due season we're going to reap if we don't lose heart. Church, don't lose hearts. Plant and water. There's going to be a reaping, and it's going to be a good one. You know, it was almost like a tractor, bring, a tractor beam grabbed me and drew me into its vortex. It was that strong of a draw that day, that night. I found myself willingly, I found myself hungrily moving to the altar, drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I remember my knees being wobbly the first, rather the last few steps before falling face first at the altar as I felt the powerful and glorious weight of the Holy Spirit come over me. I was enveloped and lost in God's presence. I know not what else was going on around me. As I just felt this wave upon wave of God's loving presence and power just wash over me and fill me that night. I'll never forget it. I began to speak in tongues. I cried. I worshiped. I was completely taken in in God's presence. And I didn't want to come back. In that moment, my burdens were removed. In that moment, all at once I experienced a peace that I had never experienced. All at once I knew I was in God's perfect and loving presence and who wants to leave from that? Nothing else mattered that night. And a work was being done in my heart by a perfectly loving Savior. I experienced in that moment what countless others have experienced over the centuries and many have experienced in this place. We all have stories to tell. I had an encounter with the holy God of the universe that night. Why would he visit me? Why would he do this? His Holy Spirit filled me and my life has never been the same from that moment until today. Now some may say that that was not a real experience. That it was just an emotional experience experience but I beg to differ because you were not there that night and you didn't feel what I felt you don't know what I know and you don't know what happened to my heart that night you can never tell me that that experience was not a real encounter with the God of the universe and the Holy Spirit showed up and did what he did in my life the Holy Spirit is real church he is real and he is for us today Was I emotional? Yeah. Was it spiritual? You bet. You can have both and it both be true. And I know that he placed a call in my life that night. I remember, I do remember praying this prayer at the altar. I said, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, 
I'll be what you want me to be. Take me and use me for your glory. You know what? He took me up on that. I look at my life and I can't believe what he's done. I'm humbled at the opportunities that he's given me over the years. He's placed in my care to steward for his glory. I don't deserve it. Doors have opened up that I could never have imagined that would open up on my own. I really, I really don't deserve it, but I'm grateful. And I've never, ever taken it for granted. I don't take ever for granted this pulpit and this opportunity that I have and being able to be your pastor. It's, it's a privilege. It's an honor. And I love you. Yeah. You know, all these years, God has been with me through the highs in my life. He's been with me through the lows as well. He doesn't leave me when I go through a bad time. In fact, he's even all the more there, you know. He's all the more real. I'm so thankful that his Holy Spirit has never left me. And it was birthed that Wednesday night in, in a youth service. I don't know how long I was there at the altar, but I know it changed my life to this very day. And I've not regretted a single moment serving Jesus. And I couldn't have done it without the Holy Spirit in my life. You know, the Holy Spirit has been for me my comforter. He's been my guide. He's been my strength. He's been my help. The Holy Spirit has pointed me to Jesus in the times that I focused more on my problems. He reminds me, keep your eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of your faith. Don't look to the left or to the right. The Holy Spirit has convicted me of sin when I did and said things that were not pleasing to Jesus. And that's been more times than I'd like to admit. The Holy Spirit has my, been my ever-present companion. He's been my ever-present help in time of need. He's been my ever-present friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's who the Holy Spirit is to me. The Holy Spirit has ministered to me through dreams that I've had. He's ministered to me through things that I've read. He's ministered through, to me through songs that I've heard. He's ministered to me through conversations that I've had. He's counseled me through God's Word. He's comforted me in my times of prayer. He strengthened me in my times of worship. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit today, church. The Holy Spirit has never been harsh to me. And He never will be harsh to you. The Holy Spirit has never been impatient with me. He's always been patient with me and He'll do the same for you. The Holy Spirit has never been critical or angry. He's always been kind and gracious and long-suffering and drawn me in in a kind and loving way. I've never been afraid of the Holy Spirit, ever. Because he's really not at all scary. The Holy Spirit, as I said a moment ago, he's not certain creepy ghoul-like goblin floating around making eerie noises. That's the world's definition of ghosts. And honestly, to me, those are the evil spirits that are described. The Holy Spirit is just the opposite of anything that you would imagine that is scary and all. The Holy Spirit is the most comfortable friend that you're going to ever have. Folks, I don't need to sign up for a meditation class. I don't need to do yoga. I don't need to find my center or call some psychic hotline or check my horoscope or delve into any of the countless New Age satanic offerings that have as their only goal to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't need alcohol. I don't need sedatives. I don't need drugs. I don't need material things or fame or illicit relationships. I have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the counsel and the power and the wisdom and the guidance and the friendship and the help of the Holy Spirit in us. And with us at all times to point us to Jesus where we're going to find all that we need to live a life of joy and peace and victory and fulfillment. Everything that you need is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, the friendship, the partnership, the relationship with the Holy Spirit will point us to him every time. 
And when he does, all that we need is found in Christ. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness to me sounds like there's no room for anything else. In relationship with him, we're going to get filled, not only with the Holy Spirit, but everything that we need to live a life that is fully successful in him, fully complete in him. I've always known the Holy Spirit to be gentle, always to be patient, always to be kind, always to be loving. He's helped me countless times to trust God when it's been especially hard to see my next steps in life. He's been my joy in times of sadness. He's been my peace in times of turmoil. He's helped me to forgive at times when it's been the most difficult. You see, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And Jesus is all these things and more, and he's all that we need. Jesus has sent us his Spirit to be in us and to be with us as the first fruits of the glories that we're going to experience with Jesus for all of eternity. John, uh, uh, Jesus said these these three next scriptures in the book of John talking about the Holy Spirit to his disciples and therefore to us. Listen to this. Jesus says, but now I go away to him who sent me, meaning Jesus is going back to God who sent him. And none of you ask me, well, where are you going? Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, and the helper is the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the helper, it depends on what translation that you're reading, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So you see Jesus departed and then he sent his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is here, again, to point us back to Jesus. John 14, 16, Jesus says this, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you every once in a while. He'll abide with you only in the good times. He'll abide with you and things are going great. He'll abide with you just every other month. He will abide with you forever. And I'll add, at all times, he'll abide with you forever in every situation. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is that helper. He is that counselor. He is that strength. He is everything that I've talked about here today and more. And Jesus has sent him. He's the spirit of Christ. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is not to be feared. In fact, just the opposite, the Holy Spirit is to be desired. And I desire greatly that you would experience him today. Joel 2, 28 and 29, a promise for us today says, and it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your men Old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Listen, that's everybody. All flesh is all flesh, is it not? And folks, we are in those last days. We're in those last days. He says, in the last days it shall come to pass. We're in those last days. We're there. And his spirit is available for us from the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost until he returns. We're in those days. And church, God is moving by his spirit today. We read stories in other parts of the country, in other parts of the world, where there's some marvelous things going on by the move of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to move in your heart today. If you'll yield to him, if you'll let him in. I would ask if you would to al allow him to pour his spirit into you today. Let him, let him fill you up. 
let him equip you. Let him empower you to be the spirit-filled, spirit-empowered man or woman of God that he has for you to be. John, 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he is that is in the world. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is living in you and can help you to be more than an overcomer today. The Holy Spirit of God is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit is the discernment of God. The Holy Spirit is the anointing of God. And we all need this. Now we either need an initial infilling or we need a fresh refilling. But all of us need to be filled today and every day. And I want to give the Holy Spirit place just like my youth pastor did in 1978 for that youth group that night. I want to give that same opportunity to you today. Thank you for letting me share my testimony, share my story. That's my story. I want you to have a story too. And I hope that should the Lord tarry the 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you'll say, yeah, on September the 24th, on a Sunday morning, my pastor, Brian Keith, simply invited me down to the altar. And I had an experience that transformed my life to this day. Is that you today? I hope so. I invite you to stand with me and make it a little easier for you to get your legs moving. And I invite you to come to this altar as an outward expression of your desire, your hunger, and your yieldedness, and your willingness to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I need that. I want that. i got to have it. I can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Holy Spirit, come and fill our hearts. That phrase that says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this room and fill the atmosphere. Instead of saying, come and fill this place, I want you to say, actually as you're singing it, say fill this place, but it's this place, you see. It's this place. Yes, he can fill this room, and he's here, but he wants to fill your heart. So as you're singing this simple uh, calling out to the Holy Spirit, and as you're singing, come fill this place, invite him in. And then the rest of the phrase is, come, what are the lyrics again? Re- refresh me. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Yeah. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Okay. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. Okay. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your glory, Lord, is what my heart longs for. Make it personal there, okay? Can you change the lyrics to those two things, that that one phrase there? Let's just sing this as a prayer to the Lord. I'm not going to manipulate this. I can't make anything happen. You've got to open up your heart. And I hope that there's been a hunger that's been placed inside of you this morning as you've heard me tell my story. It's like, man, I want that, Lord. I want that too. I want that as well. If that's you this morning, all you got to do is just open up and say, here I am, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. And He will. So all you got to do is just open up the door and let Him fill you. Just be an open receiver. And then watch what happens. But can we pray this as a, sing this as a prayer this morning. And sing it to Him. Holy Spirit, You are welcome. Right here. See, right here. Come flood this place and change the atmosphere. Through glory, Lord. Your glory is what I long for, what my heart longs for, to be overwhelmed by your presence. Sing it again, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, 
power of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. I pray, Lord God, that as we yield our lives to you, open up our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, that you'll come right now and fill us. Father God, forgive us for pursuing other things, that prioritizing other things, and have placed you somewhere below those things. Father, we place you as our number one pursuit right now. We place you as the one that is the author and the finisher of our faith. Our eyes are fixed on you, not looking to the left or to the right. Our hearts, Lord God, may they long for you. May they hunger for you. May they go after you, Lord God, like never before. And Holy Spirit, we can't do this effectively without you. So we invite you, person of the Holy Spirit, to come and fill us. Refresh that, in, that refresh the filling that, that we've experienced some time ago. We need a fresh infilling. Lord, if we've never had that infilling, I pray, God, that there would be an initial infilling right now, just like what happened in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Let it happen today. Lord, you've seen the people. They've come up. They're hungry for you. Holy Spirit, you're going to need to do the rest of the work here, and we just give you place. Lord, there's been planting and watering that's taken place over the years. Today, we thank you for the harvest. Today, we thank you for the first fruits that are continuing right now and that you'd fill us, Lord Jesus. 